Welcome to Sex and the Suburbs, the podcast for moms to talk about sex. I'm Caitlin Magraeus, founder of Be Her Village, and along with me is Heather Simonson, sex therapist and owner of Sea Change Holistic Wellness Center. This podcast is about all the things that don't get talked about. Sex, motherhood, parenting, relationships, and everything in between. Today we're talking about post-pandemic or pandemic, in pandemic, back to school. God, I can't wait for it to be post-pandemic. Right. Back to school, the back to school choices, and how we as mothers and as women and as people and parents can balance the needs of our children, the needs of our partners, the needs of our family, and our own needs and our relationship in the midst of all the things on our plate. And this came out quite organically because we were just chatting about back to school and I started talking about the spreadsheets and planning spreadsheets. <laughs> and I see lots of people are making like these at home, like mini Montessori schools and yes. all the prep that goes into it, which is what you're talking about, setting yourself up for mm-hmm. success and being, you know, mindful and thoughtful about kind of anticipating the change that's to come, even though I don't know that even as much as we anticipate, I don't know that we'll really be, how prepared we'll actually be. It feels a little bit like birth in that sense. Like none of us have, sorry, everything goes back to birth. As it should, especially with this podcast. But none of us have been through this before. And I, I find myself struggling, but also kind of finding a little freedom in that. Like there's no game plan there's no precedent there's no oh well this is what my mother did or this is what you know my generations and this is my family no nobody nobody has any map of exactly how this should be so it's a little bit like birth it we could make plans and nobody knows for example the like remote this is how our conversation started the remote versus the in-person schooling that's kind of where everyone is juggling at Mm -hmm. this point And even if we plan for sending our kids in school, they could be remote like that. Like that. Well, and it reminds me, though, of when we take a yoga class Mm -hmm. and the teacher invites the person or the the students to set an intention for their practice, right? Mm -hmm. So we always set, well, maybe not always, but I always set an intention for my practice, right? But does it mean that I'm, oh, that every single moment of my entire practice is going to be in light of that intention or might my mind start to wander or I forgot all about it by the time uh, that the class ended. Like we we have to practice non-attachment with it, right? So we can set an intention. We can plan ahead and set ourselves up for success and not attach to what the outcome is because Mm. we're human and we just do the best that we can. So it kind of reminds me of that. Like we're setting these intentions, we're visualizing, manifesting how we want to see things play out, how we see, you know, school looking like, how we see our self-care looking like, how we see our relationships or, you know, dating or what have you, Mm -hmm. what's that going to look like? So we can set those intentions and then we just have to be sure not to attach to whatever the outcome is or is not. I think it's a great... Point. And I think um, it's a smart way to look at it because similar to birth, 
there is this difference for me when I think about the intention and the vision I have for how I want to feel and for how I want mm, to I love that. be treated or how, I mean, for birth, it's more be treated. But when I think about my, my pandemic life and what September, what not even like first week of September, but like what's mid to late September going to, how am I going to feel? How am I going to, am I going to feel stressed out of my mind? Am I going to feel anxious? Am I going to feel bored? Probably not. I will. Yeah, I, I little bit be no boredom. That would be so nice. I just spent the weekend with my childless cousins in their early 30s, and they're like, I read so many books, and I was so bored. And I was like, I have no sympathy for you. I told her, I was like, all right, I love you, but it's just not, I don't have any. Um, but yeah, there's this like feeling of trying to set myself up for like the way I want to feel versus the details because I can't control whether I choose remote or I or I choose in person like a lot of those details similar to birth like epidurals and cesareans exactly. and vaginal births and there's all these things the that are out stuff. of my control mm-hmm. but I can control certain things like how I care for myself and how I set myself up and how for, you respond to the things that are happening. Yes. Well, that one's the, that one's the hard that, one. That is the hard one. <laughs> Spreadsheets are way easier than controlling reactions and responses for me. Yes. Very true. But like yeah. in birth, right, we have this uh, birth plan, right? That's setting an intention. Mm-hmm. We think about and invest a lot of time and energy and prep and like what we want our quote unquote perfect birth to be like Mm -hmm. and so we do all these things and we hire doulas and we take birthing classes and we pack a bag and you know we learn about what a c-section is or what a vaginal birth would be or whatever it is and then anything can happen right because it's you know to a great degree out of our control right there are many things that we can control like what we're just saying like even how you respond to Mm labor right so we can control how we feel but I love the fact that you're framing it in a way that it's like it's not necessarily this checklist of things that you need to have in your birth but like what kind of what what do you want to feel like in that situation right there's um I'm not particularly particularly religious but like as you're talking all I'm thinking is let go and let God like there's just this feeling of like you plan for everything you can and then at some point you surrender it's just it's up to Somebody that's not how is that be exactly? However, the universe is gonna you know spin that day, right? And I think that's such an important thing too is to realize that we're not in control. I mean, I think that's kind of like the answer to like ninety nine percent of our issues is that we're grasping for control. Um, It's an it's a lesson that keeps presenting itself again and again, at least for me. Um, I wonder most people. I think yeah, I would think so because it's it, it needs to be learned again and again. It's really hard to learn. Um, how to how to give that up, especially in New York. <laughs> I feel like there's like a certain personality that thrives here. Um, how do we make this conversation relevant to our podcast? How do we talk about the pandemic? And like, that's the background, right? Like we just set the scene. All right. So here we have a bunch of mothers that are trying to figure out whether they have school-aged children or they have babies or they're going on maternity leave they're trying to figure out childcare. they're trying to figure out what pandemic life that's quote unquote back to normal Mm -hmm. which is really not any kind of normal but it's the new normal how does that translate into being connected and how do we in those plans and in those intentions how do we stay connected with our partners and stay connected in our relationship both 
and I think this is actually something to talk about. I'm saying connected. Obviously, this podcast is about sex, but sex doesn't happen, maybe? I'm like, oh, wait, I'm like, hold on, Heather. As I say words in front of you, I'm like, wait, I'm wondering what Heather's going to say. Is that the same? What does that look like? What do we have to talk about here? Yeah, I mean, look, there's... We can make a lot of generalizations, Mm -hmm. right? And I'm not one to generalize things. However, right, men and women's response cycles, and yes, I'm... Being heterosexist when I'm saying that I acknowledge that not every couple or family or whatever is a man and a woman and and this but this is in terms of a male and a female sexual response cycles are different, right? And we respond differently to things. And so when we say like we need to feel connected, you know, it is really common for a women's sexual response cycle to kind of need that emotional intimacy, that mental connectedness, that um uh, not all men or even partners or other people necessarily need. So, but a lot of people do. And in many of the couples that I work with, that's the one thing that's missing is that emotional connectedness, right? Before we can just kind of like get into bed, before we can really just jump into sex. Mm-hmm. And it's one of the things that comes up all the time is that, again, stereotypically, that men can be ready for sex, and there might be men out there that, like, are is, angry about even hearing me say that. It is alarming how fast my husband can be ready for sex I love sometimes. how you just talk about him. I just... Because <laughs> sometimes, but, whatever, we have to, like, work into it, but sometimes yeah. I'm literally, like, no, my husband hey, do you want to have sex? And, like, he, like, turns the... He's ready to go. I'm like, whoa. Yeah. Like, I don't even finish the word sex, and he's like... Oh, see, for me, it's just like, it's kind of like a touch or a, you know, or a kiss or something. Although then that gets into the whole thing that like all, all touch feels like sexual touch. And that might be another podcast. That would be a really good podcast. Non-sexual touch and foreplay and I'm, you know, air quoting here, but like what that really means. So, but yes, again, stereotypically they can be pretty... I hate even saying they, right? But other people can be really ready. And right. I think that you and I are pretty much on the same page. Like, we need that emotional connection, which is yeah. very common. I, because I need that, like, emotional readiness in times of stress, I don't know. Because, like, in the middle of the, beginning of the pandemic, like, I think my stress response was actually to have a lot of sex, which was surprising for me. Huh. But I think in times of chronic stress, where, like, I'm just worn down by meeting the needs of others, a.k.a motherhood right I mean that's like I was just talking about early motherhood how I was just so worn down and I didn't have anything to give I think that's a really common thing and so it's almost like we can look at making plans and we can look at caring for others but it's self-care doesn't sound like it's related to sex to me on the surface but if you're caring for yourself then you have something left and you're feeling at least for me feeling calmer, feeling less stress, able to tune into my husband, able to feel You're excited, able to connect You're going to be more open and way. receptive and like, you know, ready to receive and to give. Right. And what did you just say that I, I didn't want to interrupt you, but you said something about like framing it almost as if sex was something that you were giving or mm-hmm. that it was for the other. Yes. What did you, do you remember exactly what it was? I don't know. No, but, <laughs> but you said something like that and I was like, yes, it's exact. You know, part of it is like, you, I have something left to give. If yes. I take care of myself, I have, I'm imagining it like a cup, yes. right? Then you pour and you pour and you pour. Yeah. You children, can't pour from ju- an empty cup. You can't pour from an empty cup. It's such a common phrase, but it, it really fits for me and motherhood right yes. now. Um, and and so when I have something left, 
I can quote unquote give in the sexual realm. Right. Yes. I think one of the things that happens for a lot of people and even, and I'm not saying that you feel this way necessarily, but it's kind of inside what you're saying is that a lot of people feel as though that sex is, I'm giving it to them. Mm-hmm. And that it's not something that's self-care. Mm-hmm. That's where, Ooh, yeah. Interesting. That it isn't necessarily for them. That it's like, if we have sex, it's expending more of my energy. It's something I have to pour. It's something else. more I have to pour. Interesting. Rather than it's something that's filling us up. Mm. And that's like, a, and, and especially as a new mom, when like, Literally, we're like exuding care for another human life, trying to maybe try to take care of our own selves, which, you know, in the grand scheme of things is what's going to be to enable us to have like healthy, fulfilling sexual lives, which I think is part of what you were saying. Mm -hmm. But I think we tend to have this perception that being sexual with our partner is for them and it's something we're giving and it's a, rather than it being you said like that stress reliever not ne- it's kind of beyond that but something that's fulfilling for us mm. rather than something that we feel like is we have to give of ourselves so can i ask you a question related to that yeah is it just a matter of changing how we think about it or is there more to Right? Is it just recognizing sex as part of self-care and it's this positive cycle? Or is there something more to it? I think it is part of that. I think it's definitely reframing where sex and sexuality falls in um, importance and in priority for, I guess, particularly women mm-hmm. um, and how we view that as something, as an integral part of who we are and literally fuels ourselves as mothers like it fuels our femininity and by the way we don't have to have a partner to have this part of our being fueled like Mm -hmm. it's not like you have to have partnered sex or if you don't that you're somehow less than or you can't be sexual or anything like that right but like so we need to be able to do that but it's also like if that's if that's the experience for many people that they're feeling then that they're feeling as though that they're giving of themselves, then it may be going deeper and looking at what's the dynamic in that partnership and what's mm. the quality of sex like and do I know what I need and am I communicating that to my partner and you know, is it fulfilling for me? And if it feels as though that it isn't or that it's something that I have to do or it's, more, again, more giving than it is, like, I'm receiving here, mm-hmm. then is that reflective of what's actually happening in your sex play or in the right. dynamic or your connection or something? Right. Do you that find that sense? couples... It does. Do you find that couples are talking about sex? Mm, I know talk, that's a generalization, but... It is... So much of what we're going to say are generalizations, right, and I'll probably preface it over and over and right. over again, because I don't believe that everything is for every. But we have a podcast a with a wide audience, so we it's, have to have some sort of yes, right? generalizing happening. So um, it's really hard for people to talk about sex. Mm. It's really, really hard. And I think last time, one of the things, in our last podcast, we, I think, briefly touched upon, like, how long it takes couples to kind of get into couples therapy or sex therapy. Yes, that they're doing it when their children are A lot of times older, you know, because, like, it's, it winds up being put on the back burner or maybe it's even normalized and you think that this is how it's supposed to be or 
or what have you. Um, so it's really hard for a lot of couples to talk about sex. And when they, and, and they, again, they, right, when we do, um, even my, you know, present company included, um, you sometimes we're so angry or resentful or whatever that it doesn't come out in a nice way. Or sometimes we're afraid that we're going to hurt the other person's feelings, so mm. we don't know how to say it. Um, sometimes we say it even if we're doing it mindfully and it makes the other person feel like they're doing something wrong or they're less than or so it's, it's just, it's, re- it's probably one of the most difficult topics I think for couples to talk about. So a lot of it yeah. doesn't get talked about. That's really difficult. So that's part of what we're talking about here, right? Is like how to even think about it, what to think about and how to maybe converse with your partner about it if you have a partner as you're preparing to go into this mm-hmm. new normal so what types of things give me some tips heather <laughs> what types of things should i be thinking about as i'm thinking I about think the i think that september september right yeah. and i think that i don't think the, the first thing that comes into mind and a lot of people don't like hearing this okay. or doing it okay the first thing that comes to mind is that we have to schedule in our time together with our partners, mm. right? So it's just like what you were talking about and how we started this whole conversation even pre-recording, right? which is like, what are the things we're doing to prep? How are you going to schedule in time for your self-care, whether it's time with your friends or exercise or cooking or doing your favorite hobby or mm. yoga or whatever it is, right? Like we need to make our time together just as important, just as integral as everything else. Mm. It's, it's literally like the foundation of our families, right? Is our, I mean, we are first as individuals, right? right. Then you have, if you're in a coupleship, then it's your coupleship. Mm. And so we need to schedule that time in, whether it's for date nights, and it doesn't have to be nights, by the way. In fact, some, many date, people... I actually prefer date days because date I have more days. energy. It, exactly, <laughs> right? Some, for some people, it's in the morning time. Yeah. So like finding what's the most optimal time for the both of you and agreeing on that and then scheduling it in. Now, I say this all the time, and then very oftentimes it's met with, some resistance of like, why should we have to schedule this? These kinds of things and sex in particular should happen organically. Mm. And like that, that's, it's so unromantic. It's blah, 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 blah. Right. So what I always go back to is that for many people, maybe even most, when you first get together with somebody, what do you do? How do you get to know them? You what? You make dates. You date. Like it's the most simplest, basic Thing. And think about, like, I don't uh, remember how I you met. dating. Right? <laughs> how was it? Did you date Kelvin before? I did. Right? We had so, a really interesting courtship, though. We were, like, we just, like, started dating and then just were together 24 hours a day. So we're probably not the best example. Literally 24 hours But you a said day. you started dating. Yeah, but we worked together and then so just you already spent every... Okay, I mean, mine wasn't either because I actually known my husband since I was 13. So and we already had must, a friendship. We're people, not the best example. But people out there must date. We literally right. people from you date. Day especially one. on, you know, especially like in this day and age, yes. and especially in coronavirus world, like a lot of people are online dating and mm-hmm. they're just dating online, which I think is kind of a beautiful thing because you really get to know each other and mm-hmm. spend more time on like, talking and like quality of your communication and what have you um 
But I think that for many people, they date, right? And what do you do? You figure out what you're going to do. You set a time aside. You schedule it. Mm -hmm. And then if something comes up, a friend calls you up and says, hey, Caitlin, you want to go, you know, get something to eat? You're like, oh, I'm sorry. I have plans already, right? Like, you don't let other things get in the way. Mm. And we tend not to do that also, right? And then what do you do before your date? I get ready. Get ready, yeah. right? I have a makeup on, I have a lipstick on. So whatever, <laughs> and, and most people get ready. And that looks differently for everybody, right? right? Like whether it's putting makeup on, putting lipstick on, doing your hair, wearing something special. For some, it's like, you know, shaving or breath mints or brush your teeth. Like whatever those things are, right? Like you... you Prep yourself, and I'm not saying that we should always constantly be doing that, but like it adds an element of excitement, Mm -hmm. like for ourselves too, right? Like that's when like the anticipation of the date, and you're getting ready, and you're, and like maybe you get those butterflies, Mm -hmm. and you know, and I think that's a ritual to it. It is, and so I think that people really kind of let that fall by the wayside, and and that's a ritual. That is really that important. You know, my my kids my kids are walkers at their school, and I love our crossing guard, Patty. If you're out there, if you ever listen to this, you'll be so happy to know that I'm quoting you. I told you, I promised you that I would, right? So she, we were talking about her relationship one day, or whatever. I love that you talk about sex with your crossing guard. I totally anyway. do. That's just very you. And, and more, it was more dating. It wasn't really sex, but. So I asked her, she was talking about her relationship with her partner, and I do like, I do this really often when someone seems like so in love, they've been together for so long, I always ask them what their secret was. So I asked her, I was like, so what's your secret? And she said, because I treat him like he's my boyfriend. And he treats me like I'm his girlfriend. And that was, and it just stayed with me. And I was like, that's really, like, it's essential. And when we share a life together, and a home, and bills, and we're like two ships passing through the night, jobs, family, newborn, babies, whatever, we tend to forget to do those kinds of things. And I think that's a big part of like keeping the, you talk about connection, that's what's going to keep the connection. Like out, you know, before sex, that's the emotional foreplay. I was going to say, we need the connection the before you need, the sex. You need At least the connection. I do. At least I do too. <laughs> I do too. I tell my husband this all the time. And a bunch more people. Yeah. For sure. Not everybody, which is like a whole other mystery that I, I don't know. It, I, as someone who requires an emotional connection to even be attracted to somebody, I have a hard time understanding how that works, but I know it exists. Yeah. Because I've seen it with yeah. my own eyes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And just to kind of piggyback out on that for one second, yeah. um, like we're still living in a pandemic, right? Mm-hmm. And so, yes, restaurants are open and people are enjoying that and that's wonderful. And, the, and we, you know, whatever to your comfort level. But dates don't need to mean that you're getting dressed up and going out somewhere. Just to kind of add that, a mm-hmm. week, you can have at-home dates and they can be for 20 minutes, mm-hmm. 30 minutes. It's just time that you're dedicating to connecting. That can be like a card game. It could be you're going to give each other a hand massage. It could be whatever. It can be anything you want it to be. I love that. So there's not so much pressure. Yeah. I remember when my kids were really small and my mom would offer to babysit like once a quarter maybe. It was really <laughs> – <laughs> my mom has a very full life. Um, but it was like suddenly – 
all we wanted to do was just be home without the kids. Like, yes. there's this expectation that we should, like, get dressed and go out to eat. But, like, we were just so tired from our life with the children. And I honestly, I just, we both wanted to just enjoy the house. Yes. Right? Like, we have this house that we put so much time and effort into. The fruits I wanted of to your just, labor. Absolutely. I wanted to just, like, sit in my living room quietly. And we would do that. We would just, like, That's great. hang out. I don't know. It's It's... I like that, that the expectation that dates don't need to be no fancy. And, like, you can get ready and you can wear heels and 100%. have makeup on. But you can also just be in your sweatpants and enjoy quiet. Yes, you can. It doesn't yeah. need to look a certain way. And I think that that's part of, you know, our cultural norm is that, like, we have created an image of what a marriage is supposed to look like or a relationship mm. is supposed to look like or dating is supposed to be or parenthood or sex. Yes. And there is none. I love that. So I'm going to add that to my pandemic back to school planning for sure. It's getting, that is getting a column in the spreadsheet. Awesome. (laughs) Date nights with my husband or connection or whatever we want it to look like. We actually love playing tennis. So maybe we'll just like add a tennis column in there. That would be super cool. That's perfect. Yes. Um, maybe next time we can talk about what sex actually is. Cause I think for a podcast about mm. sex, that's something we should cover because okay, I know that there, there is go. a narrow definition and there is a wide definition. I, I think love that would it. be a good place to start. Oh, and I love to talk about that. So excellent. Excellent. So we will do that next time. <laughs>